a mystery, there is a sacred secret that has been hidden. Unfortunately, it's still hidden in some people, some churches, some people that are godly Christians. Unfortunately, it's still hidden. The secret, the ancient secret, the mysteries of Christ is not supposed to be hidden to us. It's not supposed to be hidden to those that are intertwined with the spirit of the living God. When you're intertwined with the holiness of God, the person of Jesus Christ, when you walk with him, truly walk with him, the mystery that is a, was a mystery to you one time and still is to some of the church becomes revealed to you. You walk in the revelation of God. This is so important. The mystery is the sacred secret that Jesus lives on the inside of me, that I'm one with Christ, that he is in me, that I am in him. Look at what it says here. Look at what it says in verse 27. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery. I'm, I, oh, we got to write back. Let's go back. Let's go back. To them, God willed. God wills it. God wants it. God wants this mystery to be revealed. To them, God willed to make known. God wants you to know the mystery. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Say mystery. No more. So he says, the glory of the riches of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. There's a mystery in you. That mystery has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God in you is the sacred secret that has actually been revealed to those that know how to walk in oneship with him. Do you know how big this is? Because there are people that don't understand this revelation. And so then they're still trying to achieve something that's already been given to them, but they haven't, they haven't known even how to receive it. They haven't known how to receive it. And so then what happens is they're, they're trying to walk leaving a legacy. They're trying to walk godly. They're trying to walk teaching their sons and daughters the truth about Christ. But they themselves have not understood the mystery, and they have not really understood the oneship that we have in Christ. It's a mystery that should be revealed to us. And it's revealed to us in the Son, Jesus Christ, that you walk with him, that you talk with him, that you live, you breathe, you dream, you're one with him, that you operate in a place of miracles because you operate with him. You don't disattach to the sacred secret, the mystery that lives on the inside of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't disattach. You stay connected to the vine. See, when we don't understand this, we have people trying to do the will of God. When God says, no, 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 you don't have to try to do the will of God. When I'm in you, what, what comes out of you, what's reproduced out of you is me. When you let me just flow through you because you understand that Christ in you, the hope of glory, is a sacred, secret mystery that now has been revealed to you. You're going to walk in my will because you are walking as him, not as you. But it takes revelation to understand this. But once you get the revelation, you walk differently. You, and not only do you walk differently, but the miracles that God does through your life because you realize it's not you anyway. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you. And so you're basically just watching. You're just doing, you're doing what he shows you to do, not what you think you're supposed to do. There's a connection, right? Let's go to verse 29. It says, And to this end I also labor, striving according to the working which 
works in me mightily. That word, that word working is power. That's one of the definitions. It, it's power. It's action. It's an operative power. In other words, and even it even talks about energy. But this, it comes from a root word of energy. This power, this, this, this operative power that is working in you. I want you to put your name in this scripture. To this end, I put your name. Also, labor, striving according to his working, which is his power, working mightily in me. I... I strive according to his power, which works mightily in me. I work, I walk, I live according to his power that works mightily in me. I allow the working of the Holy Spirit and his fullness of power to work mightily in me. You don't allow yourself to get ahead of God. You allow God to work mightily through you. And when you do that, you walk with a different testimony. You walk with a dependency, even though they come home and say crazy things. You just look at them and you're like, there's something stirring on the inside. He let I thank you, Jesus. Saved, healed, and delivered. I don't care what you say. Ha <laughs> ha, thank you, Jesus. And your authority grows. Your confidence in him grows. And you see change. You see God's miraculous working power, right? Pastor Jennifer. Yeah, you see his miraculous working power working in you. Amen. Specifically to those that have a public ministry, and especially to those that have a large platform. We need churches that have large platforms to be willing to stand for truth and the gospel of truth and not a watered-down gospel because it's feeding our youth, our, our children, a, a, just trash. It's feeding them trash. We need to point to Christ. So what is our job? Our job is to speak everywhere you can. Our job is to minister wherever you can. Our job is to lay hands upon the sick and tell them there is a God who loves you. Our God is to say, you know what? Jesus loves you. He died for you. Do you know him? Do you know this Christ that I'm talking to you about? You cannot expect and don't wait for ministers of God's, you know, servant. You cannot expect pastors and preachers and worship leaders to do the work that God's called you to do because some of them are not doing it. They're just not doing it. And so why am I telling you this? Because we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Because it was never supposed to be just for somebody that stands behind the pulpit in the first place. Oh, they'll be accountable to God. And we'll, we all will. We all will. Every single one of us will be. And so stop looking at your, your, your field as, but I just have a little field. They have a bigger field. So, you know, no, you look at that field. One person matters. If it's one person that changes their life because you said something that released the lie off of their life and now they walk in truth, does that not matter? God, isn't that important? To one person, your life was changed at one point in time. You were that one person. Now, how many people have you influenced? How many of you guys are forerunners in, in your family? Like you're the first generation Christian. I want to see your hands. If you're the first generation Christian in your, in your family, this were a lot of you guys here. Yeah. See, quite a few of us, same here. First generation Christian in our family. So at first, what happened? What, 
somebody spoke to you and ministered to you and pulled you out of that pit and then transformed your life. Obviously, Jesus did it, but he used a vessel, right, and transformed your life. And now you're being a witness to so many different people. And the day and the hour that we live in, we need to have bold, tenacious people that will say, it doesn't matter if I don't have a huge platform. It doesn't matter if I don't have a whole lot of people that are following me. I have the power of God, the glory of God, Christ in me, the hope of glory, one vessel. It matters for one vessel to hear the message of Christ. It matters because it matters in the kingdom. Because you too were one time on that one vessel. I just, I feel so strongly in my spirit that we need to keep this at the forefront of our minds because we have so much, so much out that is out there that is just tainted, you guys. It's tainted and it's all in the form of Christianity. And if you don't have discernment, you know, it does creep in. It creeps in, creeps in. My son asked me today, he said, you know, mom, why is it that they're doing like the, the drag queen story time at my place of work? God, the first time I saw it, the, a picture of it. I'm going to call it an it because it's what it is. It's a demonic spirit is what it is. It's a it. It's a spirit. It's a diabolical, demonically disgusting perversion that's trying to get into our children's minds. But it doesn't, it's not just for the children. It's not just in the, it, it is in the preschools or trying in public, of course, trying libraries and all that, you know, school system. But, but my son, like, right, that, you know, he's an adult. And he works, you know, at, at his company. And, and he says, Mom, look at this. And he sent a picture of, of the email thread and how they're saying to all of their employees to go to this event that this company is holding. It's not out there. It's the company that's hosting it. And I said, are you kidding? I said, that's horrible. Well, why doesn't somebody say, well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and invite everybody to come to see and witness um, the movie of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How about the passion of Jesus being shown to everybody then? Because you talk about discrimination. Well, there it is. That's what it is. And then my husband tells me the same thing happens at his work. It's not just this one isolated event. Because the deception still is trying to creep in in every level, in every angle, every place, not just the schools and libraries, uh, to every single avenue. It's trying to creep in. Don't kid yourself. Uh, don't kid yourself. Uh, it is not just for the youth. Uh, you know, baby showers and they're hiring this yes i heard it I, i'm telling you they told me i'm like and they and they said i didn't know what to do and i just i said what did you do and they said i just stood there i said you should have got up and said this is horrible i'm leaving you guys we have to make a statement you can't tolerate things that are so demonically gross and wrong it's perversion at its height you can't you cannot tolerate sin and call sin sin We need to call sin, sin. We need to remember that we were saved from our sins because our Savior saved us with his own precious blood. We can never step away from the truth of the gospel no matter what so-called Christianity says. I'm talking modern Christianity. I'm talking about those that are trying to be progressively different. No. Uh-uh. And so... I am grateful that I have a pulpit that I can actually preach what God is putting so strongly on my heart, which is we're not going to change from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to be embarrassed. We're, and as a matter of fact, we're just more bold. We're just more. Why? Because we're so free. Because there's none of me. There's no self. I, you know, there's no, I'm not trying to promote me. 
I want to promote him. I want to elevate Jesus. I want to glorify Jesus. I know what I've been saved from. I know what I've been rescued from. I'm so grateful. I can never stop saying thank you to him because of it. And because of that, you know, the Bible says that whoever's been forgiven of much loves much, right? And so we have been forgiven of so much. And that's why we love him so desperately, so crazily, because he's good. And we'll never stop. We'll never change from that. We'll live a lifetime of just telling him thank you for what you have done. So I just, so in Colossians 1, and I just read it to you about the mystery is really Jesus Christ that lives in us in believers. That's what it is. The mystery is that Jesus Christ lives in believers. Do you know that, do you know that that means the power of God, God's presence lives in us? Do you know that God does not live in every human being? God does not live in every single human being. There are some people that have not yet received the, the Lord. God does not live in them. The decision to accept Christ is when he enters in. So God lives in us because we have accepted his finished work on the cross. And he wants us to learn how to live as one intertwined with him. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because I'm so alive with Christ. Because you know what? When you get so filled with the truth of his word, and when you get so filled and baptized with his Holy Spirit, there is nothing that limits you from really walking a life of victory. That life is a victorious life because of Christ. And so it's exciting. It's, 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 it really is exciting to walk knowing that God walks with me, walks in me, and he walks with me. Now let's go back to Colossians chapter 1. And in, uh, we were in verse 10. But we're going to start in 9. We're going to go through this portion here, and starting in verse 9. For this reason... We also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. We are to earnestly contend for the faith and pray for one another and pray for ourselves that we will be filled, continually filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and all spiritual understanding. We need to know the knowledge of his will. The Bible says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Does it not say this? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, right? And so do not cease to pray. He says, I do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. Paul's praying this for this church. Are we praying this for ourselves? Are we praying this for one another, for the church? Are we praying this for our fellow believers that we kind of see them drifting? Some of them, you can see them drifting away. Just open up social media, and it doesn't take a whole lot to, uh, to you know, for you to see this, but it's true. And so your heart should be grieving because there's people that are drifting away from the true will of God, but we need to be praying. We need to be praying and standing in agreement because the deception just grows if we don't, right? And so he says... He says, I'm not going to stop ceasing to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and all spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Every day we should be increasing in the knowledge of God. Every day we should have more and more understanding. Every day we should have more and more of an awareness of how good he is, how close he is to us, you know, 
you, see, you know, it's funny because we say certain phrases and, and they're acceptable and everything. We, we all understand what they mean, but we know, Holy Spirit, come. But the Holy Spirit's already with us. He's in, he never left. He's with us. He's in us. You know, he resides on the inside of us. And we all understand we say this, you know. Um, but, but the reality is, is the Holy Spirit lives within me. And, if, and, and, and so I can really walk in the fullness of that as I yield to him and not grieve him. But when we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill the room, right, and that really is because every single individual has a choice. Are they going to walk with an open heart of receiving the Lord and, and letting God inhabit the praises of his people, letting God inhabit that place? Or are they going to be a barrier, a blockage where he actually is grieved? So there is that truth, right? Right? And so, but every day we should be walking with a greater understanding of the love of God because we're in his word and we're sensitive. Don't think you've arrived. The minute you think you've arrived, you're in trouble. The minute that you think you've got all the understanding, all the knowledge of the word of God, you are in big time trouble because God wants to always add and increase. He wants to continue to help you, give you that understanding, give you that wisdom. So stay humble, walking humbly before the Lord your God, asking for more, asking for that increase, more revelation, more understanding, Father God. Lord, I pray for myself. Pray for yourself if you don't pray for yourself. I went years, I didn't pray for myself. I just never really dawned on me. I was praying for my, everybody else, praying for my family, praying for everybody else. And then I finally realized, the day came when I realized, I never pray for me. I pray for everybody else. And the Lord was like, yeah, you need to be praying for yourself too. You know, so pray for yourself, you know, and that you also, that God fills you. He gives you that understanding, opens up your heart, opens up your mind to really walk in the fullness of everything he has for you because he wants you. Paul was praying for the church, but we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We're the ecclesia. And so we are to walk with this understanding that we get to pray for ourselves as Paul was praying for the church. So he says here being um, increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might. That word might, again, power to destroy giants. Strengthened with all might. That word might is power to destroy giants. How many of you have some giants you need to destroy in your life? <laughs> Or in somebody that you love. But he says, I want to, you're going to pray, pray for yourself, pray for the church, that they be strengthened with all might. Are we all reading the same Bible? Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. So strengthened with the might or the power to destroy giants. The giants are to be slayed. The giants in your life are to literally be slayed, just like David took Goliath's own sword and said, I'm going to chop off the head of that giant, and I'm going to use his own sword to do it, and the victory is mine, and the same is true for you. You're going to take the power of God in you, and you're chopping off the giant's head. You're using his own sword if you have to, but we understand it's the sword of the Lord that is our victory. And with the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God, church, it's the word, we take the word of God and we say, no, I don't think so, devil, not on my watch them. That son, that daughter is being restored right now. In Jesus' name, I see them healed. I see them restored. I see the church restored. No, devil, you're not going to make us a laughing stock. No, devil, you're not going to make this nation a laughing stock. What do you mean, what describes a woman? What defines a woman? Well, are you kidding? How many of you heard that argument? It's like pure, diabolical, like, really? Do you not have an education? You're going to tell me with the education you have, you can't define a woman? And you got people in third world countries laughing at us. 
and saying, I don't want to go to America. Are you kidding? You guys are crazy over there, which is a sad truth. Yeah, see, so like we all clearly have heard, at least most of you have heard what I'm talking about. This is the generation that we're raising our children and grandchildren in. When they say, well, I don't know, what does define a woman? Hmm. Let's go back to creation. <laughs> Let's go back to creation. It doesn't really come But that kind of deception, the fact that they're asking these questions and they're serious about it shows you how bad, how polluted, how deceived, how demonic. Yes. And, and we have to deal with this. 12 years old, you go to the doctors, and they're asking a 12-year-old, and the mom is not allowed to answer these questions unless this 12-year-old says, oh, no, I want my mom to actually go. You remember that. And But the questions, I remember that too, but you should hear the questions now. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm not going to say the questions because they're, like, utterly disgusting. Like, they're talking about illicit sex. And they're straight out telling you. And if this 12-year-old has never heard of this kind of demonic, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? They're going to hear about it for the first time. And all they were trying to do is get a checkup at the doctor. And she's 12. Now, thankfully, this child had enough sense to say, I want my mom to help me here, whatever. And then the mom signed the waiver. But what if they didn't? To take your children to the doctors? No, but I'm just saying this is, you know, the specifics, you guys can fill in the blanks. And if you don't know, just... Trust me, it's happening. It is happening. We have to know that as a body of Christ, as the church, we can't back down from what's really happening. We have to see it, know it, be aware, and then teach our children the truth. We have to teach our youth the truth. To be honest with you, you have to teach some of these adults the truth because some of them have bought into the lie. Some of them have bought in. That's why I keep saying, the pastors and worship leaders, I'm like shocked. I'm shocked at some of the things that I hear. I'm like, how do you call yourself a pastor? How do you, how do you sleep at night? God, help us. It's not okay. It is not okay. So we have to realize, no, no, we are called to speak forth the truth, and we have to know it, and we can't have our head buried in the sand, but we have to be able to speak and say, you know what? I don't care if this loses friends. I don't care if people call me all kinds of names. The truth of it is is that I care too much for the Lord and his word. And we need to, are you going to defend the word of God? You know, some of the apostles, I mean, martyred. You know, martyred for their faith, not just in, in, the, in the Bible, but even in, even in history. Look throughout even in history books. Martyred for their faith. You guys, we have to have the tenacity that says, I love Jesus. I'm sold out. And even if everyone I love chooses to not follow after him, I will follow Christ. And I will not back down to the truth. I will follow Christ. I'm not backing down to the truth. My decision was a decision made in front of the Lord, and I did not say as long as I had this whole tribe behind me, Lord. So we need to get, make sure that we walk with this centrality, this understanding that the basic is always going to be our foundation, no matter what. And it's good. We are victorious. It grieves us. It grieves me when I hear of some of these things. And it does grieve us. But think of how much more it grieves the Holy Spirit. Think of how much more it grieves the Lord. The Bible says that if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for you to just tie a millstone around your neck. 
be better just to tie the millstone around. That's how serious some of the stuff is, you guys. That's the day and the hour we live in. So we need to know the word, and we have to be willing to speak up and love our kids. Yes, love them to the truth by speaking the truth. We have to contend earnestly for the faith. We are gonna, we're going to speak forth this truth. And, and again, verse 11, strengthened with all might, which is power to destroy giants. I'm reading this to you because I feel a very strong sense of we need to remember the power that we have and that this battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. It is, we are in a diabolical, demonic war. We really are. And it is against powers and principalities. And so, but we do win. We're victorious. We've already won. The Bible says we're already victorious, but we have to stand with the end in sight and not back down. No matter how horrible, how wretched, how disgusting, how all of that, you know, it appears because it is. But we have to remember that we are victorious. But no matter what, God says, but do I have you as a sold out bride? Do I have you as a sold out bride? Will you? Will you walk as a sold out bride? Because that's so, so important, so important. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So we're going to give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of his inheritance, the inheritance of the saint. We started off and we talked about our inheritance and what legacy you're leaving and what inheritance you're leaving. And I said, your witness is really your inherit the greatest inheritance, right? And so here we're reading, and it says we have. Uh, we says God has qualified you to be partakers of His inheritance. So that inheritance doesn't spoil, doesn't fade, it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't rot, and it's forever. It's eternal. It's good. Say it's good fruit. It's good fruit. God has caused you to have good fruit in your life, and that fruit lasts for eternity, even when you go on, even when you live in heaven, even when you move on. You know that? Oh, I got to say this, but I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they said, you know, and I said, well, gosh, you know, uh, you know, my heart goes out to that individual because unless they wake up, they're they're going to hell. And this person looked at me and they went, like they don't believe in hell. So there are those that don't believe in hell to this day, heaven or hell. We have to not shy away and speak it. I believe that the church has been silent. Not every one of them, but a lot have been silent about heaven or hell. So we have a culture that has had their ears tickled and lies being spoken. And now when you say, well, if the Bible says that if they continue in that kind of sin, that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And it lists this in Galatians, if you're not sure. It lists it in other places, but I know in Galatians, in uh, Galatians 5, it does list this. Anyway, and so this individual was like, are you kidding? So we can never get, get away from that truth, church. Yes, there's a heaven. Yes, there's a hell. And we choose today where we go. We choose today. We're choosing heaven. We choose Christ in us. We choose to speak forth the truth and live by it. And we're living by it. We're living by it. This is our inheritance. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. He already has delivered us from the power of darkness. And he has conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And that means he's transferred or translated us to the kingdom of his son. 
So in other words, you should have, we all should have deserved, uh, we all deserved hell. We all deserved misery. We all deserved death, uh, eternal death. But God says, but I've translated you. I've transferred you. I brought you into my kingdom, the kingdom of the son of his love. It is all because of the love of God. True. God is love, but God is just. God is love, but God is just. And you are not going to be timid about the truth. Thank you.